Hi, I'm Melissa with Mix in Some Magic. I'm a Disney planning expert and I'm here to mix a little magic into your day. Each week I share Disney vacation planning tips, park strategies, and a little bit of Disney history sprinkled in. Of course, I like to include lots of Disney magic. Join me, let's mix in some magic. Welcome! I'm happy that you're here. Happy holidays. I hope you're ready. Ready or not, it is time. I feel like it doesn't really matter how prepared you are. There's always last minute things that just have to be done last minute. And that's where I'm at. Maybe they don't have to be done last minute. Now that I think about it, all the last minute things that I'm running around doing, I literally could have done at any time. But I didn't, so here we are, last minuteing the holidays. <laughs> but I hope it's going well for you. All your holiday preparations, I hope, are going well and that you're looking forward to the holidays. I think it's going to be great, and I'm just happy you're here. I actually had a different episode ready to go and scheduled for today, but it just didn't feel right. It was um, some planning information. I mean, it's a great episode. It's helpful for sure. But I don't know. I just, I wasn't feeling it. And then today I was like, no, it has to be a holiday episode since it's Christmas time. So I'm saving that other episode for later. And I am creating this holiday episode last minute because I get these ideas in my head. And then I just have to do them. So this episode is being recorded very, very soon before it drops, but I it just felt right. It just felt better to do a Christmas episode today. So today we are going to be talking about the first Christmas at Disneyland, and then we're also going to talk about some Christmas stories involving Walt Disney. So I think it's going to be fun. My idea for this episode was that you're probably stressed like me. You've probably got a lot to do. And I'm hoping that this episode will be something fun that you can listen to while you're going about your holiday preparations, whether you're still shopping or wrapping gifts or baking or cleaning, whatever it is you're doing or traveling, maybe you're driving to see family, whatever it is, I hope this episode will just be a fun thing to listen to while you're finishing up your holiday preparations. I wanted to remind you that we do have a giveaway happening for podcast listeners, $25 Disney gift card, and all you have to do is rate and review my podcast and you'll be entered to win. So the giveaway runs through the end of the year, so you still have, I don't know, another week and a half or so to enter, so make sure you leave your review and I appreciate it so much. Appreciate it when you leave your reviews and rate the podcast because that's how people find me. I did want to read a couple of reviews. This one is from Stargirl9883. It says, awesome sauce. There are so many helpful tips. This is such a fun podcast. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And this next one is from Danielle Hogan. And she says, 
Melissa is awesome. Best Disney podcast. I love this podcast. Melissa posts so much awesome information on her blog and Instagram, but I love the podcast as well. As she goes into more detail on such great tips to maximize your trip at the parks, saving money and all details of Disneyland. I never even knew. Rope drop tips, rides, I mean everything you need to know. I don't Go anywhere else for my Disney tips. Melissa has all the content made just for you. Thank you so much, Danielle. So sweet of you. And I appreciate it. You guys are just the best. Thank you. Thank you. Hugs and kisses. I appreciate it. So don't forget to go and enter the giveaway so you can get yourself a Disney gift card. You can use it at the parks or you can use it on Shop Disney. Whatever you want to do. Well, there's no Disney news today. So we're going to just jump right into today's special holiday episode. Before we jump in, let's take a quick break. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Mix in Some Magic. you deserve a vacation. 2023 is your year for a vacation and when you go somewhere I think you need to check out Getaway Today for your tickets and hotels. Now I use them all the time for my Disney trips. They also book Universal trips, they book cruises, they do SeaWorld, they do Legoland, they do Disney World over in Orlando and Universal Orlando. They do it all, and they are experts in all of those. So if you are going to any of those places, consider using Getaway Today because they're the best. You're always going to save money on tickets. You're always going to save money on hotels. Plus, you get the best customer service around. So why wouldn't you use them? They're amazing. I know them personally, and I love them. They're really great people, and they care about your vacation. I actually booked a vacation for my family coming up in just a couple of weeks. They don't know about it yet. They're going to be learning about it on Christmas Day, and I'm really excited. And thanks to Getaway Today, it was really easy to book this vacation. So check them out. 2023 is your year for a vacation. I know you're going to love them. I'll put a link in my show notes, or you can call them. I'll put their phone number in my show notes as well. Just tell them that Melissa with Mix and Some Magic sent you to get the very best deal. to start with a quote from Walt Disney himself. This is from Reader's Digest in December of 1941. One reason the Christmas season appeals to me is that it makes us suspend business as usual routine and lets our minds soar for a while. It is a time when imagination is more sprightly than at other periods of the year. Christmas seems to release even the most solemn of us from the Scrooge realism that occasionally besets all of us. It is natural, of course, that I should think of Christmas in terms of imagination, for imagination is my business. The holidays at Disneyland are a really big deal now. It's probably the most popular time of year to visit. There's amazing decorations, holiday entertainment, the characters in their holiday outfits, there's amazing ride overlays, and there's all kinds of specialty food and treat items. But it hasn't always been that way. Back in 1955, the holidays at Disneyland were much, much less elaborate. 
The park had opened in July of 1955 and it had been busy all summer. It was a hit, but attendance had decreased significantly when fall came. Summer vacation was over, kids were back in school, people weren't really vacationing, and a lot of them had already been to Disneyland and didn't think to go back. So attendance was down quite significantly. In fact, on some days, there were only a few hundred people in the park, which is crazy to think about because that means you could walk on any ride, you could walk around most of the day and barely see anybody. If we were able to visit Disneyland now with only a few hundred other people, it would be amazing. But it wasn't amazing for Walt Disney because he wasn't making any money. One of the employees who was around during that first year, Ron Dominguez, used to joke that on most days you could shoot a cannon through most areas of the park and not hit anybody. So Disneyland wasn't making a profit yet, and that meant that there wasn't much money to go towards decorating the parks for the holidays. But Walt Disney wanted to do some decorating to commemorate the holidays, so they managed to scrape together enough money for a Christmas tree. The Christmas tree wasn't as big or as grand as it is these days, and it actually wasn't even on Main Street. The first Christmas tree at Disneyland stood in Town Square, where the partner's statue stands now. They were also able to gather a few wreaths and garlands and they hung those around the castle. The banners around the castle were switched to darker colors to go better with the holiday season and they even put a little greenery around the entrance sign to Frontierland but as far as decorations go that was it. They did have some holiday entertainment. A group of 12 Dickens Christmas carolers from the University of Southern California performed all through the park. This group was directed by Dr. Charles Hurt, Charles Hurt, chairman of the Choral Music Department of the University of Southern California. Now this was very popular with guests, and so Walt Disney rethemed his outdoor stage, which was in Adventureland near the Jungle Cruise, and he renamed it the Christmas Bowl for the holidays and added a few fake Christmas trees to make it a little more merry, and then the Christmas Bowl was able to host choirs singing Christmas carols. Now, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Disney candlelight processional throughout the year because this retheming of this stage where choirs would come and sing at Christmas time is kind of the precursor to the candlelight processional that we know today. So, I'm going to read a little bit from the D23 website that talks a little bit about the beginning of. The candlelight processional and how it became what it is today. So this is what it said. The candlelight procession and the ceremony is one of the oldest and most beloved traditions in the history of Disney theme parks. When Disneyland celebrated its first holiday festival in 1955, a group of 12 Dickens carolers under the direction of Dr. Charles C. Hurt of the University of Southern California performed throughout the park, and guest choirs were invited to perform daily in the Main Street USA Bandstand, which was rechristened the Christmas Bowl for the season. On the opening afternoon of the festival, the carolers and around a 300-member massed chorus made up of visiting choirs stood together on the train station steps and sang Christmas carols accompanied by visiting school bands. The following year, under Dr. Hurt's direction, the carolers and singers from eight visiting choirs also performed as a group on the station steps, this time accompanied by the Disneyland band. In 1957, the event grew even larger as choirs followed the Christmas Around the World Parade, 
processing together from the Sleeping Beauty Castle into the plaza where they were to perform. Unfortunately, due to the size of the crowd, the singers were unable to form a circle in the center of the plaza as planned. Instead, they stood around the Disneyland band and performed in an informal manner. The choirs and carolers were so well received by Disneyland guests that in 1958, Dr. Hurst suggested to management that performances by a larger massed choir group would be a welcome addition to future holiday events. Therefore, in December 1958, the first evening candlelight processional was held with singers from 16 choirs processing down Main Street to the plaza where they performed a full concert with the Dickens carolers singing from Sleeping Beauty Balcony above. Celebrity narrators began in 1961, the first being actor Dennis Morgan, who continued yearly until 1964. In 1965, Disney legend Dick Van Dyke assumed the duties to help endorse the new film Mary Poppins. Dennis Morgan narrated again in 1966. Other notable narrators include Cary Grant, Rock Hudson, John Wayne, Buddy Ebsen, Pat Boone, James Earl Jones, and many more. So it was kind of the beginning of the candlelight processional, which I thought was pretty cool. It started as something small, and then they just built on it, and it grew and grew over the years until now. It's this amazing tradition that happens every single year. I want to talk about the first Christmas parade at Disneyland. Now, I love a good parade. You know that. I love the parades. I think they're fun. And so I was curious what the first Christmas parade was, was like. I didn't even think that maybe they had one the first couple of years, but Walt Disney really, really wanted a parade. And I read stories about how he told his accountants that they, he was going to have a parade, and they said, there's no money for a parade. You can't have it. It's not going to work out. And Walt Disney said, well, I want, I want to do it. And the accountant said, listen, people are coming to Disneyland for the attractions, they're not expecting a parade, so why would we give them something that they're not even expecting? And Walt Disney said something to the effect of, that's the exact reason that we need a parade. We have to keep surprising people and making it exciting or else they're not going to come back. And if we lose them, it's going to cost 10 times more to get them to come back than if we had held on to these fans from the very beginning. So Walt Disney got his parade. If you can call it that. The first Christmas parade down Main Street was actually, I mean, it was a parade, but it was used to promote the Mickey Mouse Club Circus. So they had this circus that was going on in Fantasyland. They had a huge tent, a circus tent, one of the biggest in the world set up where Matterhorn is now. And there was a circus inside of it, the Mickey Mouse Club Circus. Now, this circus was not included with the price of admission, so people had to pay an additional fee on top of their Disneyland entrance fee to get into the circus. And they weren't drawing the crowds that they were hoping to. So Walt Disney said, let's have a parade. It'll get people excited. We'll have it kind of be like a circus slash Christmas parade through the park, it'll get people excited about the circus and then they'll want to go to the show. So that was the plan. So the Mickey Mouse Club Circus gave three 75 minute performances every weekday. 75 minutes. The parades now are like 20 to 30. Can you imagine sitting through a 75 minute performance, a 75 minute parade. 
It's the longest live-action show in Disneyland history to this day. So they would do three performances every weekday and four on the weekends, including Christmas Day and New Year's Day, for six weeks. Uh, the circus was considered part of the 1955 Christmas Festival at Disneyland. So more than a parade, like I said, it was kind of a traveling circus down a main street. It included live animals and authentic wagons that Walt had purchased. And in keeping with the Christmas theme, it included holiday touches like the three wise men and their camels. Well, the Mickey Mouse Club Circus had poor attendance, probably because of the extra expense, because guests didn't come to Disneyland to then pay extra to go to a circus. And, and plus, I would think that after a 75-minute circus parade, many of the guests probably felt like they had seen enough circus for free and didn't need to pay extra for an additional show. That's my guess. So Walt Disney loved circuses, but unfortunately his guests didn't feel the same way. And there's a couple of funny stories. So the six weeks that the circus was in town, I guess, in town at Disneyland, some of the llamas escaped and ran down Main Street spitting at guests. Can you imagine? being on Main Street and llamas were loose <laughs> and running down. Man, it's a shame people didn't have cameras out and ready like we do now. I would have loved to see that. Um, a black panther bit the paw of another animal because their cages were too close together. And there was a little mishap during a trapeze show in front of a live and horrified audience, one of the aerialist's tops came undone as she flew through the air and she couldn't cover up her chest with her hands because she would have plummeted to her death. So she had to grab the hands of the man catching her and there was a little bit of a, a scandal. There was some, some PG-13 Disney Circus Entertainment that day. So that was quite the scandal, especially back then. Um, and on January 8th, 1956, the circus closed from lack of attendance, which I think is probably for the best. I'd rather have Matterhorn than the circus. Well, changes were made to the Christmas parade after that, since the circus wasn't ta in town anymore. And it really hasn't changed too dramatically over the years. They've had floats and things that went along with the movies and they integrated characters and of course Santa Claus was there. They did add the toy soldiers in 1960 inspired by the film Babes in Toyland and we still have the toy soldiers today. Now perhaps you've noticed a scent as you're walking down Main Street. Those scents were added in the 1980s, and they're from a device called the Smellitizer. I'm not even joking. That's like the official patented name. It sounds like an invention from Phineas and Ferb from Doofenshmirtz, the Smellitizer. But that's really what it's called. So in the 1980s, it was added to Main Street, and it pumps out scents onto Main Street. Usually, it's a vanilla scent, but at Christmas time, it's changed to peppermint or gingerbread. So if you notice a smell on Main Street, you're not losing your mind. Those are actual scents coming in through the smellitizer. I can't even say it without giggling. It's just so funny. I promise that's what it's called. Uh, let's talk holiday overlays. These are incredibly popular at Disneyland. The first holiday overlay 
was It's a Small World in 1997. Um, that was so popular that they decided to do another one. So The Haunted Mansion got its Nightmare Before Christmas holiday overlay in October of 20... No, 2001. That was a long time ago. And... For a brief, brief minute, we had the Jingle Cruise, which was a Christmas overlay to the Jungle Cruise attraction. So we got that in November of 2013, and it ran for four holiday seasons until, for some unknown reason, it was discontinued in 2017. And this is such, such a bummer. I really loved the Jingle Cruise, and I'm not sure why they did away with it at Disneyland. So they, I mean, it was a very simple holiday overlay, nothing like the It's a Small World overlay or the Haunted Mansion overlay. They just changed some of the boat's names. So there's like the Sleigh Ride Sadie or the Yule Kissimmee. And then throughout the jungle, they kind of decked it out with little Christmas gifts and candy canes and ornaments and tinsel. And then the cruise boat skippers would have Santa hats and they had a Christmas themed spiel with holiday jokes that were really funny. You know how funny the jokes are on Jungle Cruise. I just love them. Imagine if they were holiday themed. They would be amazing. One of them was so the, the skipper would say, during the holidays, these rivers are tough to navigate because of the Yuletide. <laughs> oh my gosh. And there's so many other ones. And while you were waiting in the queue, then there would be Christmas music from the old antique radio playing. And it was just fun. It was just really fun. And it didn't seem like a hard holiday overlay. Like, how hard is it to change the skipper spiel and throw up a few decorations? I don't know, but it's gone. And every year we get all excited and think maybe they'll bring it back. But they haven't since 2017. You can still ride Jingle Cruise at Disney World, though. Disney World still has it, so if you've ever considered visiting Disney World during the holidays, you'd get to ride on the Jingle Cruise. And they have Genie Plus for Jingle Cruise and Jungle Cruise, so just something to think about. So there's a few other rides that get little holiday overlays. Luigi's Joy to the Whirl over in Cars Land and Mater's Jingle Jamboree both have um, new little holiday spiels, their safety spiels, and then they have holiday music instead of their regular music. And Storybook Land Canal Boats gets a little mini holiday overlay. Disney doesn't call it a holiday overlay, but all of the little houses, the Storybook Land houses, have little Christmas trees and lights and garlands and wreaths, little decorations, and it's absolutely adorable. So if you get a chance, check that out next time you're visiting Disneyland during the holidays. It is so cute. So Disneyland Christmas, the holidays at Disneyland, has grown immensely since 1955. They've added more and more decorations. They've got entertainment like crazy. They've got the nighttime entertainment and all of the daytime entertainment, plus the parade still going on. I think Walt would be happy about that. And then you throw in all of the fun holiday merchandise and all of the holiday food offerings. And I think that Walt would be pretty happy with what it's become, what it's turned into. Plus, I don't think they've had a single llama loose or a single topless trapeze artist since 1955. So that's a win. That's a win too. I did want to talk about some holiday stories from Walt's life. 
I found some pretty fun ones that just kind of give you a little insight into who he was as a person. And I enjoyed them, so I hope you do too. Now, this first one, tell me if you recognize this story because it was turned into at least a scene from a Disney movie that I know you've seen. All right, so this is Walt talking. I'm quoting Walt for the rest of the story. This is from his perspective. When we got the first home, I wanted a dog, and my wife would have nothing to do with dogs. For some reason, she did not like dogs. She said, oh, they get hair on everything. They're dirty, and there are dog odors. I got a book on dogs, and the chow did not shed hair or have fleas and had very little odor. She said, if I had to have a dog, that's the kind of dog I would want. That's what I wanted to hear. The next day, I went out and bought a chow and kept it under wraps until Christmas. I bought it when it was about six to eight weeks old. It was about a month before Christmas. We had our Christmas tree and her sister would come over and her little niece was about 11 then. And the niece was always the one who took the presents around and gave them to everybody. We had kind of a little family Christmas. I picked up my chow from the dog kennel in the afternoon. I took it over and kept it at my brother Roy's. I got a big hat box. I put a big ribbon on it, and when the time came, I went over and put the little puppy in the hat box, tied it up with the ribbon, and when they were all busy, I put it over by the tree. And my niece was tipped off, so my wife didn't see me bring it in. So then my niece went over and got this, and she said, Oh, who is this for? And I said, To Lily from Santa Claus. So she brought this big hat box over and put it in front of my wife. And my wife said, Oh, Walt, you didn't. Now, she didn't know I'd bought a dog. She thought I'd bought her a hat, and that's the one thing she doesn't want anybody to do. She wants to buy her own hats. She was upset because I had bought her a hat. So when she started to open it, it moved, and she let out a scream, and then she was really kind of upset. She was a little mad that I had bought her a hat, and when she opened it, this little chow stuck its head out of there, and from that time on, it was her baby. It had to sleep in our bedroom. <laughs> okay, does that sound familiar to you at all. I know it does because this story inspired a similar scene from the animated feature Lady and the Tramp. I love it. Okay, I've ran across another story that I absolutely loved as well. Walt Disney loved children and he loved giving gifts. So he enjoyed playing Santa Claus for his friends so much that he maintained a file of hundreds of children of his personal friends, members of the press, studio workers, film executives, and more. And every single year, each child got a, a gift from him. He would give gifts to all of these children, hundreds of them. So each child got a Disney character, some type of Disney character, merchandise, primarily and one large important item plus a few little ones each individually wrapped. Walt's secretaries were the real Santa's elves responsible for putting together all of the packages for the children. So beginning in November all of these secretaries were in charge of putting together all of these gifts and it would keep them busy right up until a few days before Christmas. They would set up in a warehouse and they were organizing and wrapping gifts for these hundreds of children to give to them for Christmas. Now Walt would stop by daily to inspect the packages and make sure that everything was going well. And the gifts continued until the child reached the age of 12 and then he or she was dropped off the list and would receive a Disney Studio Christmas card instead each year. 
Now, Walt made sure that there was an annual Christmas party for his Disney studio each year, and Santa Claus was always there to hand out presents to the children, and they would show some Disney shorts. Now, Walt also loved the Toys for Tots program that the Walt Disney Company still supports today. Toys for Tots began in 1947, but originally only encompassed the Los Angeles, California area where it distributed roughly 5,000 toys to needy children. So Walt became involved the very next year by designing the official Toys for Tots train logo that is still used today. I had no idea that he was involved in designing that train logo. Now, Walt Disney loves trains, so it kind of makes sense that it would be a train. So Walt is considered one of the founding sponsors of the organization. Walt promoted the Toys for Tots program on his weekly television show during the holiday season, and then when Disneyland opened in 1955, it became one of the locations that people could drop off new and used toys so they had multiple boxes scattered throughout the different lands and guests were even encouraged to purchase toys at Disneyland and drop them into one of the boxes. Walt even filmed a special public service announcement for TV and he told the audience he said now it's very seldom that our Marine Corps needs help but right now they do help in filling these brightly colored barrels with brand new toys these brand new toys that will make it a very merry christmas for the children across the country who might otherwise be forgotten now walt grew up a very humble he had a very humble upbringing and he once shared my parents were conservative people and there were few extra dollars for such frivolities in those days i always got some sensible modest present for christmas one time one time roy bought me a shiny gyroscope top and it was a wonderful spinning with its wonderful spinning ability Walt's daughter Diane remembers it 1956 she said a christmas from 1956 she said what I think was so wonderful now that I've thought back over it is that we had to want things terribly before we got them, and we never got everything we wanted, and that's always good. When we were tiny, we were too young to enjoy lots of toys. Like I see pictures of our first Christmas, and I was surrounded by toys, mechanical toys, dolls and stuffed animals of towering size, and all things like that. But when it came to the time when we really wanted things when we were about five or six, when you wanted roller skates or a bicycle or a dog or a house or a doll. We had to want them for a long, long time. Dad's always been generous, but I think he realized after a time that you mustn't spoil children and that because it's an age when the more you want things, the more you like them better while you're wanting them before you get them. When you get them, you're crazy about it for a few days or weeks and then it's old. I still have some home movies that Dad shot of some early Christmases at Working Way. There was a huge tree that went from the top of our two-story living room. It was covered with a myriad of ornaments, and around the tree were toys of every conceivable shape and kind. And there I was, sitting surrounded by the mechanical ones and hitting at them as they moved and performed. He gave Sharon and I each a watch. And when we, were, when we were seven years old, that was inscribed on the back with his name and the date. Mine says, To Diane, from Daddy. Other Christmases, it was antique jewelry, which he liked. When he gives gifts, he wants to give gifts you can remember him by. He's afraid that he's going to be gone and forgotten. He loves to give us jewelry, and every Christmas he's given us a little piece of jewelry. 
On Christmas, it was usually something antique. He loved antique jewelry, nothing expensive or elaborate, but a little pair of antique gold earrings. He gave mother once some seals in the form of a necklace. And then at a little later Christmas, there were some seals hanging from a bracelet, seals used in sealing wax for things like that. One time he gave her a little bracelet with a little Oscar statuette to represent the one he had won. He had to get special permission from the Academy to do that, and she loved it. Diane was born in December 18, 1933, and she saw her first Disney animated cartoon one week later on Christmas Day. In 1933, Walt had had huge success with his silly symphony titled The Three Little Pigs. However, because Lillian had already suffered two previous miscarriages and she was nervous about this pregnancy, she was very cautious and decided to stay home instead of going to the theater to see the premiere of The Three Little Pigs. So on Christmas Day, after Diane had been born, then... Walt came into the nursery of their home where Lillian was with the baby, and Walt put up a little movie screen that had to be unfolded and balanced on tripod legs. So Walt set up a movie projector and showed Lillian and Diane the animated short that had been so popular that year. So everybody loved this film, and Lily laughed throughout the film and told Walt that it was one of his best. When it was finished, she turned to Walt and said, I feel I should have given you... And Walt assumed she was going to say a son, <laughs> but Lillian started laughing and pointed at the screen and said triplets. <laughs> so I thought that was a sweet story that he brought home a tripod, set it up so that his wife and newborn could watch his latest film. Now I read lots of things that said finding gifts for Walt was a reoccurring problem. He just didn't need a lot of things and finding something that he was actually excited about was really difficult. Um, one year, his daughters presented him with a volume of completed works from Leonardo da Vinci, and he said, what are you trying to do, educate me? But later on that day, Sharon and Diane both said they saw him in a corner sitting in his favorite chair reading the book, so he must have liked it. Now, every December, over a 25-year period, Walt Disney wrote a little Christmas newsletter to his younger sister, Ruth Beecher, who lived in Portland, and he would talk about the family events and what was going on at the studio. But on December 8th, 1947, he wrote her Christmas list, not list, her Christmas letter, and he wrote, I bought myself a birthday Christmas present, something I've wanted all my life, an electric train. Being a girl, you probably can't understand how much I wanted one when I was a kid, but I've got one now and what fun I'm having. I have it set up in one of the outer rooms adjoining my office so I can play with it in my spare moments. It's a freight train with a whistle and real smoke comes out of the smokestack. There are switches and a station and everything. It's just wonderful. So I guess Walt finally got himself a Christmas gift that he actually liked and was excited about. Now Walt's health started declining in 1966 and late November he was too ill to even write his Christmas letter to his sister Ruth and his secretary had to do it for him. On December 14th, 1966, Walt's daughter went Christmas shopping. She wanted to get him something nice. He loved cashmere sweaters and he had lost a great deal of weight because he was so sick and his clothes didn't fit right. So she was shopping to get him something like that. And she wanted to bring a Christmas tree into the hospital to brighten up his room, 
but she decided that the hospital probably wouldn't allow it, so she didn't even try, and she later said that she regretted not doing so, not trying to bring a tree into his room. Because Walt never got to celebrate his very last Christmas because he never got to leave the hospital. He passed away on the morning of December 15th, 1966, just 10 days before Christmas. Now, when Walt was in the parks, back when he was alive, he would light the lamp in the window above his apartment over the fire station to let his staff know that he was on property. And ever since Walt's death, the lamp has remained lit as a tribute to Disneyland's founder to Walt Disney himself, except at Christmas time when it's replaced by a Christmas tree instead. Although this year I've noticed they've had the lamp and the Christmas tree both in the window. So I guess it just depends on the year. I hope you enjoyed that. I love thinking about Disneyland in years past and what it must have been like back when it first opened and how much things have changed since then. And I also really enjoyed those stories from Walt Disney's life and some of his Christmases. So I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks so much for being here. I hope your Christmas and all your holidays are amazing. Hope you're happy and you're surrounded by people that you love, that you just have a really great time. The older I get, the more sentimental I get about Christmases. And sometimes I think Christmas can feel a little sad the holidays in general, especially the older we get. I've been noticing that. Um, I don't know, sometimes you just miss people who aren't here anymore, or who aren't part of your life anymore, whether it be because of distance or death or stubborn hearts, whatever it is. Christmas can be a little sad sometimes, but it's also a really happy time. So I hope that even if you're feeling a little down during the holidays or a little bit of that sadness or a tender heart, whatever it might be, that you're still able to feel the joy of Christmas and the holidays and that you still have a really happy holiday and a Merry Christmas. That's what I wish for you. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for being you. I love that you're here. I love that you're listening. You're amazing and I appreciate it so much. I've got a lot of great things planned for next year and I'm just glad that you're going to be here with me. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait. Well, that's all I've got for you today. I will be back next year with something new. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk soon.